Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? You are listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. This is your host, Dapper Data. And as always, I bring on a very special guest, right? But before I bring this guest on, I want to highlight some things, all right? You know in the past that I've talked about AI, talked about machine learning, talked about supervised and unsurpassed supervised learning, uh, Python, R programming, you name it, right? All the data science coolness, right, that we call uh, data science um, hot topics, if you will. Uh, but this time I'm bringing on somebody that's not a programmer, right? You know, may have a background in some of that. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that. You know, data management experts, we brought them on. We brought brought on uh, doctors to discuss deep fakes, right? So this person, he's none of those things, but he might be involved in probably one of the most uh, important roles within the data science flow, right? The decision maker, okay? So I'm bringing on somebody that is a decision maker in the industry, okay? And we've never brought on somebody that's a decision maker and also to discuss the business side of data, right? That's very important because a lot of times we're talking technical, we're talking Python, we're talking artificial intelligence, we're talking all of these different technical things, right? Machine learning, and that's great, but the decision maker at the end of the day, who pushes that red button to say yay or nay, right? That person is being fed all of this information that's being developed by the Python programming, right? All the, the MySQL queries and things like that. At the end of the day, they're, they're presented with these visualizations, right? These charts sometimes. And when they're presented with that, they have to make a final decision, okay? And, and, and that's who I'm bringing on today, all right? So before I introduce the guest, I wanted to highlight that, but I also want to talk about talk to the audience about focusing in on these keywords, data-driven decision-making, okay? Today, we're gonna focus on data-driven decision-making. Everybody wants to make a decision, no matter what role you are. And now, today in this world, in this day and age, they're talking about data-driven data decision-making, all right? And if, I, if, 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 you, if you will let me just describe what that really means. When we talk about data-driven decision-making, I read an article by the uh, Harvard Business School, and they mentioned that data-driven decision-making is the process of using data to inform your decision-making process and validate a course of action before committing to it. All right, so just let that sink in with you all. But now I wanna highlight somebody. He is the CEO of Rise Interactive, and is responsible for leading the strategic direction of the business at Rise. Larry, Larry Fisher has over 20 years of marketing experience and financial services, which have played a major role in growth of Rise as a data-driven agency. And, and prior to being a CEO, Larry was very, very much involved in developing Rise's vision as a president there. So this person right here, I'm bringing on the CEO to help you talk about data-driven decision-making and how it, how he's been able to use that throughout his years, also involved with uh, being the CEO now at Rise Interactive. You know, so everybody welcome Larry Fisher. All right, say, say, say what's up, Larry. Say hi to everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for the great introduction. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, yeah. So, Larry, tell them, tell them a little about yourself, you know, some of the background and how you got involved with Rise. Yeah, great. So I spent the first part of my career in the financial services world um, being a trader and a hedge fund manager. When I was doing that, we would do trades, collect data, analyze the data, figure out what worked, and we would do more of it. And that was the key uh, formula for us being successful. And then I had the opportunity to switch um, into marketing. And the reason why I felt comfortable making that career switch was the Rise Interactive was focused on doing campaigns, collecting data, analyze that data, figuring out what worked, and do more of it. So I found this way to shift industries, but use the core skill set that I had cultivated and had been successful with, and um, really like the challenge of trying to use that same formula in a completely different industry. And that's how I ended up at Rise Interactive. Oh, great, great, great. So when I think of um, data-driven decision-making, I always tend to think of the C-level execs, right? You know, for some reason, I think business and and the most technical people that listen to this audience, they probably don't think about that. That's actually a soft skill that I always believe. I mentioned in an article one day that that's probably a soft skill that is probably that's probably the best skill you could have is being able to uh, to to transition from to 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 actually deal with the business side of data, right? You know, because a lot of times people are uh, they're either very technical or they're very business focused, right? So uh, when we talk about CEOs, we talk about C-level execs, right? Leading the data-driven culture. How can that happen? How can they lead the data-driven culture in your eyes? That's a really good question. Um, what I try to do always is try to simplify things out of the gate so that you can have just making sure everyone's on the same page and talking the same language. So, you know, Rise Interactive is a marketing agency, digital marketing agency. Um, there's four key things that we need to do to grow. And that's we need to win new business. We need to upsell that business. We need to renew that business and we need to innovate. And when you break down each one of those areas, you need to have a certain amount of data to help you make the right decisions so that you can write to make make the right investments and you can steer the company to successful, profitable growth. So it really starts with a simple equation. And then the sophisticated part comes into the granular data that you can use to to um, provide the most accurate way to make the best decisions possible for the company. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and um, just to add to that, you know, for the audience, you know, when I think about um, leading the effort, right, that data driven culture and, you know, you you all are hearing this straight from a CEO's mouth. So, you know, definitely take notes, because if you want to get to that level one day, you have to, you know, definitely have the same mindset, I believe, you know, uh, but but when I think about it, I think, you know, you're making some of those confident decisions, right? You as a CEO. You have data that is backing your decisions, so you have support, right? I always talk about uh, if I was a single um, uh, or a small business, a one-person shop, I am, I'm not alone really, right? I have the data as my employee. I always, I always say that, you know, uh, and that's and and that's my most loyal employee. 
you know, that's the one that's going to support me to the end of my company uh, because they're always going to help me. They're going to be the, that's what I'm going to look to to make that decision, that confident decision. You know, once you begin collecting and analyzing the data, you're likely to find that it's easier to reach a confident decision about, you know, any business challenge, it seems. You know, do you do you feel the same way when you see it? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's really about making sure that you have the right data to help you answer questions that address pain in your business mm -hmm. or um, that allows you to make the right strategic decisions of where to go forward. Um, and many times, like I said earlier, it's about simplifying that um, information, that equation. So when you think about growth of like our agency or any business, um, it really comes down to a couple of data points. You need to know um, the number of opportunities you need to hit your goal. You need to know your average order of value. You need to know your yeah. conversion rate. And then once you have each of these data points, you can start to forecast how many opportunities you need in order to hit your revenue goal. So it's really right. a way of backing in to um, understanding, well, if your goal is, let's say, 10 million, but your equation only gets you to 8 million, well, yeah. you better figure out how do I close the gap? And that's where the start of the, using the data to help you even start to deliver on what on what the goal should be and do you even have a chance a mathematical chance to hit those goals and many times when i'm working with clients they may have a goal that is not supported by the math when you start to ask the questions and unlayer the data of you know what's your conversion rate what's your average order value How, uh, you get to well and and what's your average cost per 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 opportunity you recognize that the budget that you have will not allow you to hit the goals that you set out for yourself and that that's a, an example of of using the data to make sure that your company is on the right track and is has a the possibility of even hitting the goals from when you from when you get started so is that some of the ways that you and your company and that's great information because and i wish i i should have had my notepad just then because um i actually work a lot in the digital marketing space you know my main goal is dapper data is to help a lot of the small businesses being able to help them make better decisions from a, a social media standpoint, right? Because a lot of times they're sitting there and they're not being efficient, they're wasting a lot of money, right? They're trying to make decisions just off their gut, right? Which is okay. Sometimes you got to trust your gut, right? But now we have data. So why even stress yourself out for years trying to figure out whether this is your target audience, whether this is the right demographic, you know, whatever it is, it's telling you that in the data, right? On all the social media platforms. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so do you, is, what you just talked about, are those some of the ways that your company um, uh, uses business data for decisions, you know, instead of guesswork? Because guesswork is the old school way, I believe, right? You know, and now we're doing data-driven decisions, right? Looking at patterns and things like that everywhere. Is that is that what you see going on? Yeah, very much so. You know, the, the proliferation of digital marketing has led to us having access to so much data each of the major platforms provides data to show really that their platform is delivering that's the you know you know whether it's google or facebook they want to provide you enough data so that you can continue to make intelligent investments within their platform and it really boils down to what questions do you need to answer in order to run your business and how do you build the data infrastructure so that you have the right um, data to be able to answer those questions. So the example I gave earlier would be something that our sales and marketing team 
they would say, well, how many opportunities do I need in order to hit our goals? Well, let's start to build out the infrastructure so that we have that data. And then how do we create, you know, period over period analysis to see how we're doing, to hold ourselves accountable, to see if the activity that we're doing within that sales and marketing world is actually leading to more activity so that we can continue to grow. Because ultimately businesses want to grow. And um, if you can create the right infrastructure with the right data mm -hmm. to answer the right questions, then you can make great decisions. And the end result usually is that you grow and, you, and that you're successful. Right, right, right. So as part of that, right, in your company, do you see do you see a lot of uh, visualizations at the time? When it comes to you, you're more on the visualization end, right? Do you see that uh, typically being done? And, and when you do, um, is that like in more of like a Tableau kind of format or something? Yeah, so I think, you know, at Rise, we, we're, we were founded um, being a data-driven company. So it is really in our DNA here. Um, every team uses data to... Um, not only for ourselves, but for our clients and to, to help them grow their grow their businesses. Um, we are constantly looking for ways to empower our teams to have the right tools, the right data so that they can make these decisions in the most efficient uh, of time. Um, for example, we have a finance team that's responsible for putting out a monthly packet. And in this packet, they will answer questions about our top 20 clients, where we're seeing growth, where we're losing clients, um, what our gross margins are, where we have room for improvement. And just by providing this consistent monthly packet, as we call it, you start to get into a groove of analyzing and seeing trends. And once you see trends, you can alter the decisions that you make. So not only do we have our finance team using data and reporting, and they may use Tableau, we, we have other um, internal tools that we use to for data visualization, but for our um, our marketing team has created certain reports that answer the questions that help them make decisions within their world. So it's something that we push. And even to the point when we started the business, we realized that digital marketing, um, the success really hinged on being able to be a good data miner and a good analyst. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we set out to hire people who were good at math and we would be interviewing people and we'd say, hey, are you good at math? How, what, are your, what are your Excel skills like? And everyone said, oh, I'm great at math. I, I'm a master at Excel. And then when people would start, we'd recognize that maybe that wasn't the case. So what we did was we started, we created an analytics exam. And this exam allowed us to figure out if people were good at math and had great attention to detail before we hired them. And this, this exam had a pretty low uh, pass rate. But what it allowed us to do is create a way for us to um, find really analytical people um, before we even interviewed them. And what the result was is that around Rise, you have the most analytical group of, of, of teammates because we were able to find a way to find them through this exam. And it's been, oh, it's almost been like a rite of passage that everyone here feels great and part of a community of really smart analytical people. And it's become part of our, our culture. But again, you're talking about how do we use data to hire the right people? Well, if we give them this exam and they pass, we know that, you know, that's not the only reason why you would hire them, but we know we can check the box off of when they start, they're going to be able to dig in and make data driven decisions because they have that skill set. Right, right, right. Man, I have so many 
questions about the exam. I know that's not the topic, but I just we we have to take that online, you know. But um, what you just what you just highlighted was interesting because, um, man, I, matter of fact, am I able to take the exam one day <laughs> just to take it, or is that something that you can just? <laughs> we can work it out. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Let's not disclose my results because I don't want to be, you know, looked at as not a data-driven expert or anything like that. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine on it. Sure. That's wow. interesting because a lot of times, uh, Larry, that they they do not emphasize how important math is within data science, right? I'm currently doing my doctorate in data science, and all they do is talk about statistical analysis, right? That's probably like 70% of it where I'm doing constant math within the uh, the course, right? I'll be done by next year and I'm thinking, man, am I applying for the wrong roles or positions, you know, <laughs> because, uh, you know, every position I feel like they're, they're not even asking about math, right? But what you're doing is something that I think should be the case, right? You should be looking at people who can can look at it from a statistical point of view, right? The quantitative side of things, right? Uh, because that's measurable. You got to have the measurable, the really hardcore measurable parts. That's going to help you forecast uh, some of the, some of your um, the the things that you're looking for, right, within your company. You know, and it's interesting that you're tying marketing to it because I always thought, you know, being in the social media space now or digital marketing space, that man, data is very important, right? They should tie uh, when you're building a company now. What you're doing is tying every decision back to data. That's that's essentially what you're doing because you're telling you know every every part, every department within your company, you're saying it must be data driven, you know. And and I think that that's really key and important, you know, within the space, you know. So um, so I mean, when 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 you were discussing some things, it came to mind, you know, how do how does Rise Interactive deal with specific things like digital platform enablement or marketing analytics or customer experience analytics, right? Because uh, I know that a lot of times we have, um, when you think about Amazon, right? We talked about this before uh, the podcast and Amazon is so customer driven, right? The customer experience is key. Customer analytics is key. And when you look at Rise Interactive, um, the, the, the information that they put out there, that's something that's similar, right? The, the 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 customer experience is very very important. So, um, how does Rise Interactive deal with digital analytics, platform enabled marketing analytics, and uh, customer experience analytics? It's a great question. So, as I said earlier, I try to simplify things. So, digital marketing and marketing in general is tapping an audience, finding people who are interested in your product, driving them to either your store or your website. And then when they're there, you want them to do take an action, either fill out a form to, for a lead or to purchase something. And along that journey, there's all sorts of data that help us do that in a, in a unique way. At Rise, we really have used our mathematical skill set to focus on media data. And as experts at media data and media optimization, we, we built, decided to build a platform that we call Connects. And Connect, think of Connects as a media optimization platform that takes data from every one of those platforms that you talked about into one central database. And then we built querying capabilities so that really smart people on our team can dream up of ways to look at the data that maybe you or I haven't thought of yet and mm -hmm. 
have the machine pull that data and create um, reports and repetitive reports to see trends and make decisions to empower our brands to do um, better work, make more money, sell more stuff, or get more leads. So we've, we've created this central location. And if you think about today's world, you have each of the big media platforms, so Google and Facebook, Amazon, yeah. they're, they're, they're referred to as walled gardens as they're all trying to keep the budgets and the data within their ecosystem. They're not really trying to share across their systems. Right. And of that, it's becoming more challenging for a, a, a marker to decide where to spend their money. So in building this platform that really connects all the walled gardens and allows us to compare um, like tactics. So let's say for a top of funnel tactic in one platform versus a top of funnel plat uh, tactic in another platform, and then see which one's better and then make decisions on where to allocate money. Should I be spending so much in platform A versus platform B? And right. then it comes into how does the conversion uh, data um, layer up into those marketing decisions? So when you have, um, you drive traffic from let's say Google to your website, how does the conversion rate compare to when you drive traffic from another platform to your website? And you can start to understand the ecosystem and really understand what the customer's um, journey is and what path it is. And how do you improve that journey for them? How do you make it easier for them to convert? Um, and that's this whole system that we're, that we're working with in of driving traffic to a, either a, like I said, a store or a website and making it as easy as possible for those consumers to do what they're out, what they're setting out to do. And, there's tons of data that helps you do that. And there's all sorts of tools out there that you can put in place to understand and watch this journey um, and make decisions on how to make it easier and better. And as you brought up Amazon earlier, they're the, they're the best example of how easy it is to buy anything online. They've mastered the ability to um, not only allow you to find what you're looking for very easily, but have it at your house the next day. And right. <laughs> I think the rest of us are all trying to emulate or catch up to their brilliance. Right, right. Now that's a great point, you know, that you're making, you know, and all great points, you know, that you're making. And you know, marketing analysis just comes to mind, you know, when it when we're talking about that and making quick and informed decisions. Because what you're doing is allowing them to say, uh, to to take their decision making, not only help them make decisions but to cut down on the amount of time it takes to make a decision, right? Uh, I always call it like the decision fatigue, right? You know, I don't have to make a bunch of decisions, right? Obama, Mark Zuckerberg, all those people, right? They, they do something that eliminates decision fatigue within their own uh, outfits that they wear. So if you see Mark Zuckerberg, he constantly wears the same outfit over and over again because he doesn't wanna have to wake up and say, I need to wear something I don't know what to wear today, right? Obama has two outfits, right? Two two suits that he chooses from um, because he wants to eliminate decision fatigue. So that I thought that was pretty cool. What you're doing is kind of essentially eliminating decision fatigue for the end user and customer, you know. And uh, from my point of view, when I work with a lot of customers, I am uh, 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 working with them. They're, they're using sometimes they're spreading their wings too far across social media platforms, right? They're they're saying, oh, man, you know, you got Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. You have all these different places, all these different platforms to choose from. 
what is the best platform for me, right? You know, why would I waste so much time in Instagram when it's catering towards the 25 to 35 year old range and my audience may be 60, 70 year olds or something like that? You know, I don't know, you know, or maybe maybe 18 to or younger. So maybe I need to go to TikTok, right? Or something like that instead. And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, you're making me want to apply to Rise Interactive, right? <laughs> Yeah, just just send me the way. Are you all hiring? You're hiring right now? We, we have a lot of open roles. All you gotta do is pass the test, then we can talk. We'll set that. Okay, up. okay, okay. Yeah, I gotta pass the test first. You know, I don't, I don't want to uh, embarrass myself. You know, so I'll take. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start from uh, scratch. You know, so, but no, that's good. You know, and um, you know, from a customer experience standpoint, I think that's probably one of the most important things that. Uh, most businesses are getting into right navigating the complex customer and that's what you all are doing right being able to look at those interactions um, and i always talk about how it's not level one sometimes about who they um, are interacting with right how do i get to the next level um, as well right improving some of the ux uh, increasing conversions with the customers um, I work with um, a company called AfricanAncestry.com, and they were they were doing ads all over the place, right? They're sending ads everywhere. They just thought ads was the key, right? But they they weren't being efficient with their ads. And and when I used Google Analytics at the time, the Google Analytics um, platform at the time to help them out because they were already in Google Analytics. So I said, hey, okay, I know it. I'll work with them on it. Um, so brought them in under my umbrella for Google Analytics, looked at stuff for about a month and some change. And when I looked at everything, I realized that, okay, most of their customers are using mobile, right? Mobile, they're using the mobile apps, right? They're using the mobile apps for their, for AfricanAncestry.com and they're not using the desktop platform. Uh, so what they, what was happening is that um, they're, when when they would click on the link or any ad with their mobile app for some reason for some reason when it took them to their website it looked terrible right compared to uh when they went through the desktop app right so that was something so small right it took me about maybe a month to realize because i didn't think that that was something that was overlooked by the web designer prior to them or the person that was developing their apps and things like that you would think that they would catch that you know but through their ads, when I clicked on their ads, it actually took me to something that looked totally different through mobile than it did through desktop. And majority of customers are on, on mobile, so that's why they're not converting. Uh, once that changed, once they were able to get everything to look seamless on the mobile side, uh, they actually went up by 20%, you know, as far as their conversion rate. It was insane, you know, and it was instantaneous. Uh, so conversion rate is key. You're hearing it from uh, one of the best out here, Larry, you know, right now as a CEO, he's he's talking about conversion rate, you know, a lot. Uh, but uh, as, as I always end everything, you know, I, I always end everything with a dope, what I call a dope data nugget or some type of gem at the end. And um, I want to first thank you for being on the podcast, Larry. And, and, and one of the things that I've learned so far, and this is just uh, me taking notes from what you were saying was that you know, the first step in becoming more data driven is making more of a conscious decision to be more analytical, right? Because uh, being analytical is is something that they, uh, when you think about data science, think about data analytics, those are two different things, right? 
And 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 what you're telling people, what you're telling the audience is that being analytical, being curious, being curious about the data is very important, you know, and to know your math. Okay, so I took two things from that. <laughs> know your math, be analytical. You know, are there any is there anything that you want to share with the audience um, as as last words? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that if you're in a job that requires this analytical skill set, that mm -hmm. you put people in those roles that have a chance to be successful. So in advertising, there's tons of creative folks that are really great at the creative side of advertising um, who may not have studied math in their schooling or as much. Mm -hmm. And um, finding the right mix for the questions that you need to answer based on the math and the data that's available. And when you find the right people who have that skill set and you give them access to data sets, um, great things happen. And it's uh, really great to see um, how data driven, uh, data driven teammates can uh, evolve campaigns by dreaming up ways of using this data. So yeah, so thanks so much for having me. This has been a, a great, really great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, you know, just to add on to what you're saying, you know, while it seems simple, right, it's sometimes it's it's something that that takes practice, right? What you just said, you know, and and people need to understand practice, practice, practice. You know, if you want to one time or one day sorry, become CEO of a data driven company, um, you don't just wake up and say I'm CEO of a data driven company, you know, um, it takes work. It takes practice, you know, and I see that right now, you know, because you want to be able to understand uh, it's two different things, right? You got the technical side, but when you become in the C-level portion, you're thinking business, right? You're like, how can I move the business? How can I uh, make money, right? You know, the most technical people, majority of the time at, uh, I don't, I don't want to say lower level because they're all equal, right? But the majority of the time when you're at a level where you're just doing Python programming or you're just you know, creating data visualization, things like that. Um, sometimes you're not thinking, well, how can I make more money for the business, right? You're thinking, how can I make sure this query is great, you know, to 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 help out with this application? Or how can I make this application better or something like that? You're, you're so much in the weeds, you know, but the, the differentiator, the thing that makes you stand out, you know, to the audience out there that wants to uh, make that crossover to a C-level exec, in the data-driven world, from, from my eyes, the thing that would stand out is understand the business, understand how you make a difference in the business. You know, that's key. So uh, thank you again. And uh, to to end it like I usually end it, right? I always like to have a little bit of fun. You know, we talked about this before, uh, uh, Larry. I like to have something called overrated, underrated. All right. And I got this from Gary Vee. I always like to give a shout out to him. Great motivational speaker in my eyes, you know, really tells it up front um, and, and very thorough person. Uh, but what he does is, you know, he presents or he's presented with topics and he's saying he's always given his opinion, right? Being an authoritative, authoritative figure, he's saying, hey, this is overrated or underrated. He gives a reason why. So I like to get the opinion from my guests. Uh, I'll give you a list of about four, five, six, seven uh, topics and you get to say, hey, look, this is overrated, completely overrated, or you can say it's underrated, you know, and you can explain why, or we can keep it moving, you know, whatever you want to want to do, you know. So are you ready? Sounds good. Let's see what I can do. All right, let's do it. 
You're from Chicago. Okay, so I'm gonna start off with the Chicago. Well, I don't know if you were born or right. Well, I, I just know you're in Chicago now. All right, so I'm gonna start off with the Chicago question. Chicago style pizza. Underrated. Underrated, especially, okay. Because I spend a good amount of time in New York and uh, have a lot of friends in the New York area. So we always had good um, banter on what's better, New York slices or deep dish. So I was going to ask you which dish. one is better in your eyes. You uh, know, no is deep dish. Deep dish. So Chicago has a deep dish and then New York has more of the thin slices. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Okay. More bread, less bread. One of them is, is, is that how it is basically <laughs> to sum it up? <laughs> you have to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to try it. I've had New York. I've been to Chicago. I don't think I've had Chicago style pizza, but I hear so much about it. I had to ask you that as the number one question, right? Just to break the ice. All right. So traveling. Traveling is underrated, meaning mm -hmm. got to do more of it. Yeah. Yeah. During these yeah. times, have you been able to travel a lot during COVID? Um, not so much during COVID. We really hunkered down, but I have such great memories of um, before I started a family, my wife and I did some really great trips when we had less responsibility, um, mm -hmm. trips through Europe and went to Alaska and a couple other places, things that mm -hmm. were very difficult to do today with between running this company and three kids. And yeah. so we really, well, we really look forward to finding time to explore and see new cultures and learn and um, hopefully maybe around a beach or somewhere Man. warm. Man, man, man. Okay. Uh, all right. So I don't know if anybody, if, if too many people in the audience know about this, unless you're from Chicago, but uh, it's something that's highlighted. If you go to Chicago, you want to go to the sky deck, right? You know, where you're able to see and look down and you're seeing the whole city and the streets and things like that, you know, through clear glass. Um, it's pretty cool. I haven't been there before, but that's one of the first things I'm going to do if I, if I get a chance to go to Chicago for something other than work. So your opinion of the sky deck? Well, first the sky deck is at the Willis Tower, which is literally right outside my window. So you can see- Are you the, serious? You oh. can see from, from right here. Um, I'm gonna say that it's overrated because I'm uh, not too fond of heights. So uh, <laughs> but a, lot of, a lot of people like to go there. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of people love, love to go in there. Have you done it at least once? I have, I have done it, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it um, It definitely could blow your mind in, in multiple ways, right? Depending on if you're if you're not too fond of heights or if you if you if you're if you're crazy about heights, you know, so it seems like uh, it could scare the crap out of you or it could give you one of those things to remember for the rest of your life. You know, it's definitely something to do, but I'll, I'll put it in the list of things that I've already done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Sports. I love sports, um, so I'd say um, underrated. So okay. can't get enough of sports, especially um, you know watching, playing, seeing my kids thrive in, in sports and learn what it's like to be part of a team. There's so many good things that come out of sports. So yeah, big fan. Yeah. Are you are you originally from uh, Chicago? Yeah, I grew up here. Are you a fan of uh you're a fan of the Monsters of the Midwest and and the uh the Chicago Bears? Bears, Cubs, Bulls, Blackhawks. Yeah, the whole oh, the whole, whole gambit of Chicago sports. That's that's where I'm at. 
Okay, okay, okay. You're a big fan of all Chicago teams. That's what it is, or is it? Okay, pretty okay, much. Great, great. Pretty much, yeah. All right, all right. Last question: Kids during their younger year years, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, I I, I have two kids, right? I I look at it where I enjoy a certain stage in the kid's life, right? So far, I mean, I've only made it till ten years old. You know, I don't know what age you you're at, but for me, the youngest is three, the oldest is 10, but uh, that the baby phase, right? That's what I meant to say. So let's talk about the baby phase. Is it overrated or underrated for you? <laughs> well, let's see. How do I answer this? Um, I'm going to say a little bit of both because there's some things that are precious memories and there's then there's those sleepless nights. I could, I could do <laughs> right. it sleepless nights, but uh, there's so many other uh, great memories that I have. My kids are teenagers now and um, time really flies, I'll tell you that. So it's, uh, I think I've, I've learned in my, uh, you know, throughout the years to really try to enjoy every step of the way because it goes so fast, it really does. Right, right. No, absolutely. I agree. You know, and I'm, my, my kid, he just, uh, my oldest, he just graduated middle school. Well, he graduated elementary. He's going to middle school. And I could barely get time with him, right? Because he's so into Roblox games and he's like, you know, everything is gaming or watching TV, right? Or, you know, his friends and things like that. And you try to sit down and have a conversation with them, you know, and you can tell, right? He's starting to become, you know, a young man, right? You know, he's getting into the stage where he's separating and this is in himself, you know, a little bit because he wants to interact more with his buddies, his friends and all that stuff. So, you know, it's definitely, um, uh, something to to look uh, I would say is right where it needs to be right the baby phase right because that baby phase I I do miss it but sometimes I say all right you know I, the whining the crying the nighttime right you know the, the sleepless nights uh, I don't miss that right uh, so but anyway so that was it uh, I do want to highlight something I, I usually ask people their drink of choice and I thought it was something interesting that you throw out threw out there so just to give a little bit small insight on uh, that drink of choice, um, you called it the snake bite, right? You know, so tell us a little bit about that snake bite and, and where it came from. Yeah, so I've been asked this question before and to have a little fun with that, I went back to my college years where I was fortunate to study abroad in London and we were introduced to the snake bite, which is half a pint of beer and a half a pint of alcoholic cider. And I think the idea around it was one that it tastes good, but to it, it speeds up the process of uh, um, of uh, feeling good, let's say, um, from you know drinking so many beers to get there. So it, it was something that we learned and uh, really gravitated towards over the years. And every once in a while, I like to to have one to you know reminisce of the good old days. Right, right, right. Do they make it anywhere? So I probably can ask for it. You think in uh, local bars, maybe? Yeah, I think I think you'll find it. You'll find people will know it, and if not, you just tell them half beer, half cider, and you know you'll definitely get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm gonna try that. You know, sometime this week, Fourth of July weekend, I'll try it, and I'll send you an email to 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 let you know. You know how well, my experience with it. You know, so yeah, let me know. Let me know what you think. Yeah. Well, well, thank you again, you know, for being on the podcast. Um, as everybody knows, this is the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. We've had a very special ghost, I mean, guest, sorry, guest on the podcast, uh, CEO Larry Fisher. 
Um, thank you again for being on the podcast. Is there anything that you um, that that you're promoting or you want to say to the audience? Anything going on? Conferences, things like that? A book or something? Yeah, we have a lot of things going on at Rise Interactive and our parent company Quad Graphics. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're doing a uh, a webinar with uh, lead analyst of performance marketing from Forrester, uh, Colin Coburn, and I will be giving um, a, a webinar on uh, July 21st. So. If, uh, you have, if anyone has time and wants to learn more about the vision and where performance marketing is going and how data is a big part of that, tune into that webinar. I know it's going to be a, a great, uh, great use of time, and hopefully uh, the audience will find it helpful as they're trying to grow their businesses. Yeah. How, how can they get access to that webinar or get on, get well, registered? Yeah, so um, probably the easiest way is to go to riseinteractive.com. You'll be able to find a link or hitting up our social uh, media accounts on LinkedIn. I know we've been running some promotions, um, getting people to sign up. So um, welcome everyone to do so. Okay, okay. Um, so where can they reach you at, Larry? So riseinteractive.com. My email is larry at riseinteractive.com. Happy to uh, um, see if I can help anyone or if Rise can be of help to your business. Just uh, drop us a note. and. Uh, okay. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to learn more about uh, Rise and myself. Really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. You know, and and as everybody knows, you know, if you don't, if you're new to the audience or new, new to the podcast, new to the group, to the family, the data movement family um, with Dapper Data, uh, you can follow me at Mr. Dapper Data. That's at M R D A P P E R D A T A on any one of the social media platforms. The link is in the bio and it'll direct you to my podcast as well. Uh, please subscribe to the Data is My Science podcast and the link in the bio. And if you want to uh, purchase my book that has been out uh, related to uh, increasing profits with social media analytics, definitely uh, uh, access my website at www.mrdapperdata.com forward slash dapper book. Um, and again, thank you again for listening to Data is My Science podcast. You know. See you all later next week. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.